Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Be very careful and even prayerful in choosing who we allow to speak into our lives, who we allow to have that influence in our lives. Had Rehoboam but heeded the wise counsel of his father's advisors, his reign would have been blessed all of his days. But it wasn't. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Do you look up to someone in your life who is not following God's Word? The Bible is clear that we should be careful who we look up to as an example for living. Pastor J.D. challenges you today to think about how your life would change if you left behind the negative things that have an influence on your life. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What is he, what is he saying here? He's saying, Christian, be very, very, very careful. If you get too chummy, too cozy, too friendly with the world and the things of the world and the ways of the world, you have the potential to become an enemy of God, an enemy of the cross. As a Christian, you are putting yourself at odds with God by becoming too friendly, too comfortable with the world. Are you saying that it's actually possible for Christians to become an enemy of God? No. God's Word says that. (laughs) not trying to be clever or cute or coy. This is what God's Word says. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Jesus is replying responding to his disciples, in particular Thomas. And he says this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, oftentimes we'll quote verse 24 and we'll just stop there, but listen to what he says next. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or he asks, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Here's what I'm thinking, and stay with me on this. Here's what an enemy of the cross says. Live for yourself. Jesus says, pick up your cross and die to yourself. In fact, 
You cannot be his disciple if you do not pick up your cross, deny yourself, and die to yourself. Well, that's pretty strong. It needs to be. Do you know what's at stake here? I would submit that one becomes an enemy of the cross when they're unduly influenced by the world and have this insatiable appetite for the things of the world. You know, you can actually change what you crave in the physical sense. And so too is this true in the spiritual sense. How many of us have done that whole protein thing where you kind of eliminate sugar and starch and carbohydrates? I know when I've done that in the past, you kind of lose the that sweet tooth that you once had. And it always hits. What is it about the nighttime when that... <laughs> sweet tooth hits, and you have these fantasies about, I think this is going to be in heaven, butterfinger ice cream. Yeah. But, again, stay with me, I'm sorry for the, the silliness of the comparison and illustration, but I think you get the point. The more you do something, the more you crave it, the more you develop an, an appetite for it. I think of this proverb, and I can't, uh, because of my uh, brain damage, I can't recall uh, the chapter and verse, but it basically goes something like this. What you pursue, pursues you. The idea being, if you pursue righteousness, righteousness will pursue you. You pursue wickedness, wickedness will pursue you. What you pursue, pursues you. And so what happens is, we start dabbling in and getting comfortable with the things of the world. We partake at the world's table with what the world has to offer. And then we begin to develop an appetite for it. I believe this is why in verse 19, Paul says their God is their belly. He's speaking to those appetites, those worldly appetites, those carnal appetites. He also says, Their mind is set on earthly things, not on heavenly things. I think about what Isaiah says, that blessed is the man, happy is he whose mind is stayed on thee. Again, I can't wait to get to chapter 4. We're going to deal very specifically with the power of the mind in verse 8, where Paul lists the things that we're to think on. The proverb says, as a man thinketh, so is he. We are what we think. And that is the battleground, by the way. And so Paul is hitting it head on here. And he says, the ones who are enemies of the cross have become enemies of the cross because their mind is earthly. Their thoughts are worldly. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And here's the thing, and this is what's at stake. Ultimately, in the end, it leads to destruction. There is a way, the proverb says, that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to 
destruction. And, and, and here's what that looks like and even sounds like. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? Listen, sin is pleasurable for a season. But in the end, it's a bitter end. It might seem right. It might feel right. It might look right. It might even sound right. But it's not. I'm personally of the belief that one of the most subtle dangers in the life of a Christian is carnal and worldly influences. And the reason I say it's subtle is because whether we realize it or not, we're all following someone's example. Whether we realize it or not, we're following the example of someone in our lives who we've allowed to have that influence over our lives. It's not a question of whether or not I'm following someone's example. It's, are they a godly or an ungodly example? To whom have I given that role of having this dominant influence in my life? Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34, the Apostle Paul says, Do not be misled. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And then he says this, very strong. It almost echoes the strength of what he says to the Philippians. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. Again, this is to Christians. And what do we know to be true about the Corinthian church? They were a carnal Christian church, given over to carnality and worldliness. And he's he's pleading with them, come to your senses. Stop, stop, stop. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. You have to understand something. In the Middle East, (laughs) in Arabic it's, Shame on you. It's like the ultimate in the Middle East to this day to say to somebody, Shame on you. That's what Paul's saying. Shame on you. Come to your sense. What are you thinking? Oh, (laughs) I'm trying to evangelize them. No, you're not. Nice try. You think that you're the one who is influencing? I'm sorry to tell you, you're the one that is being influenced. In 2 Chronicles chapter 10, we have this interesting account of how bad company can corrupt good character. We're known by the company we keep, right? Have you heard that expression, if you lie down with dogs, you come up with fleas? 
That's the best I've got. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry. You'll <laughs> had somebody tell me that actually once. And it was really interesting. It was when I was in the car business many, many years ago, and I had befriended a gypsy. And uh, I did business with him. It was kind of interesting. I, some of the harshest criticism came from well-intentioned brothers and sisters in Christ, like, how could you? Well, I was an example to him. I had an influence on him. This was on the mainland, and I went back, I forget what year it was, and I want to say it was maybe uh, 2011, actually. And I spoke at my sending church in Spokane, Calvary, Spokane. And after I got done, this young man comes up to me and he says, you know my dad. And I looked at him, and I hadn't seen him in many years, and he, of course, had grown up, and and then I recognized who he was. This was that gypsy's son who had come to Christ, as did his dad come to Christ. That's the difference. You know, we are letters. We are living epistles. Do you realize that? People are reading the letter of our lives, and they're asking themselves two questions. You know what those two questions are? Is it real, and does it work? And oh, by the way, they want it to be real, and they want it to work, because if it's real for you, and it works for you, then that means it can be real for them, and it can work for them too. That's what they're watching your life to see. That's what they're reading the epistle of your life to see. Well, the account of Second Chronicles 10 is about a young man by the name of Rehoboam. This was actually King Solomon's son, King David's grandson. And after Solomon's death, he became king after his father. When Jeroboam and all Israel came to him after he had become king, they asked Rehoboam to lighten their load because it was burdensome and the tax burden was just too high and too much. And so Rehoboam, to his credit, says, well, come back after three days. He's going to now get some advice and seek some counsel. And the first group that he goes to are the elders who his father, King Solomon, had consulted when he was alive. Their counsel to this young, influential, if I can say that, king, was to be kind to them, to please them, to speak good words to them, because if he did, they would be his loyal servants forever. Well, I tell you, that's a word for leaders today, to be benevolent, gentle, kind to those who are under your leadership. 
and under your God-given authority. So, is this young man going to take that advice? Unfortunately, and to his own peril, he rejects the elder's advice and instead follows the advice of the friends he grew up with. Their advice was to make the load heavier instead of lighter, and they had also advised Rehoboam to whip them and scourge them and beat them and keep them in line. How's that one? Well, it would be that decision that would be the beginning of the end for this young man. And ultimately, he would have the kingdom torn from him and suffer the consequences that would ensue. It's interesting, in Second Chronicles chapter 12, we're told that later in his life he came to his senses, like the Apostle Paul writes, and he had humbled himself, and the Lord's anger turned from him, and he was not totally destroyed, meaning that he was about to be totally destroyed. Which again, Paul says, the end of this is destruction. The end of this is destruction. But, sadly, once again, at the end of his life, he turned from the Lord and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You know, we're told that we have the Old Testament examples to learn from. I would much rather learn from one of your mistakes than my own. I would rather see what happens in the life of another than to have that happen in my life. That's what we have the Old Testament for. I don't know if it's possible to overstate just how important it is to be very careful and even prayerful in choosing who we allow to speak into our lives, who we allow to have that influence in our lives. Had Rehoboam but heeded the wise counsel of his father's advisors, his reign would have been blessed all of his days. But it wasn't. Do you know of all of the kings of Israel in the history of Israel, There were only nine kings of whom it was said they did that which was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. None of them were in Israel. They were all in Judah. Only nine of all the kings. Would to God that it would be said of us, that we live lives that were pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Don't you want to please God? Don't you want to bless Him? (laughs) You know, we always pray, Lord, bless me, bless this, bless that. But how often do we pray, Lord, I want to bless you today. I want to be a blessing to you, Lord. I want to bless your heart, God. I want to close with a three-part question. And I think we all, myself included, maybe myself especially, I think we'd all do well to ask ourselves these questions in this regard. 
Here's the first one. And really think about this. Who has the greatest influence on your life? Here's the second part of that. Are they an ungodly or godly example in your life? It's this third one that will require a little bit of thought and even prayer. And this is the one that I want us to be left with. How would my life change And how quickly would my life change were they no longer to have that influence in my life? And this goes both ways. I don't mean to complicate it, but again, think about this. How would my life change if the godly influence in my life no longer had that godly influence in my life? And conversely, How would my life change for the better? And how quickly would my life change for the better were I to no longer have that ungodly influence in my life? Now, you might be thinking about someone. And maybe it is someone that you have given that much influence and power to in your life godly or ungodly. But I would suggest that it may not be someone. It may be something. Something that you have given permission to speak into your life and have that dominant influence over your life. That's what you're following. Your heart is divided. Well, you love the Lord. You're walking with the Lord. You know the Lord, but, and there's a but. (laughs) There's a comma, there's a semicolon there. Truth be known, and this is between us and the Holy Spirit, maybe we would do well to pray that prayer, Lord, search my heart and see if there be anything or anyone that would keep me from knowing you, loving you, and hearing you. Is my heart divided? We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Philippians on your own. Spend time today in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal something new about your Savior as you read. The Bible is filled with promises and lessons that apply to you right now, even though it was written long ago. You'll always benefit from time spent in Scripture. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Philippians 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to make this a priority. 
A church family can be a source of support and encouragement, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 